So I'm here recording this episode at the MedTech 22 conference, the industry event for MedTech professionals. It's a show put on each year by the MTAA, which is the Medical Technology Association of Australia. So right now I've got the booth set up with the fancy microphones on day two of this event. And I grabbed a few speakers as they came off the stage to take stock of what's happened in the medical technology industry over the past few years and look ahead to what's still to come. So shortly on the show, you'll hear short conversations I had with speakers at this event. Each one will introduce themselves as they start our chat. And we cover topics like how the industry can best engage with the government, environmental, social and governance, ESG, the coming wave of sustainability requirements, prosthesis list reforms, the post-COVID talent opportunity for medtech, what happens in the local research, innovation and product development ecosystem, real-world evidence in medical device submissions, private health insurance and future models of care, advertising to consumers and healthcare professionals, value-based procurement in Asia-Pacific, and some patient stories, the real-world value of medtech in the community with advancements in cancer care. So there's a good cross-section of some of the key topics to really get you thinking about the medtech industry today. Near the end of the episode, we wrap up the show with a check-in with Ian Burgess, CEO of the MTAA, about his reflections on the event and the topics that we discussed. So for more information about the MTAA and the next MedTech annual conference in 23, check out the MTAA website at mtaa.org.au or go to medtechconference.org.au. All the links and speaker names and details are in the show notes of this episode. So let's get amongst it, shall we? Collaboration starts with the conversation team, Health Tech. Let's make it happen. This is Talking Health Tech with me, Peter Birch featuring content and community about technology in healthcare. Matthew Versi, Director of External Affairs and Communications at the MTAA. And Matthew, I saw you with a microphone up on the stage. So yes. tell me what you're doing. So we had two rising stars of both the government side and the opposition side of the parliament, Dr. Mike Freelander, the member for MacArthur, and Melissa McIntosh, MP, member for Lindsay. Uh, and they were talking about the best ways in which industry can interact and engage with government, especially this new government and this new parliament, the 47th parliament, to get their issues across and discuss ways in which they can bring to the attention of policy and decision makers really their key policy priorities for companies, but as well as us as a wider industry. And so having them here with us today at the MTAA MidTech 2022 conference was a real eye-opener for many members who are still trying to engage with government, this new government that's been rolling since sort of May, and understanding some of the, the tweaks and tidbits of do's and do nots when it comes to engaging with members of parliament for companies and industry. Yeah, and it's, it's one that I know when dealing with industry, with the technology industry and healthcare, whether it's across devices, software, wherever it is, often that question comes up where it's like, well, how do I, if only we could engage with government more and make them more aware of this issue because that might open up funding or, you know, access to patient populations. So I feel like it's a topic that would have resonated with many here today. Yeah, it would have. And I, I think it's probably would resonate with many of your audience listening is that one of the takeaways is, is that you need to make your message or the thing that you're trying to communicate to government relatable and especially bring it back to basics. So basics when it comes to telling a story and having patient stories at the heart of all of the conversations that we have with members of parliament is important because uh, at the end of the day, the work that we do is about patients, is about improving livelihood and, and saving lives. And so having that added extra understanding that 
When we do talk to decision makers and policy makers, we're putting it in a frame where they can understand exactly how it's going to impact the lives of everyday Australians, of which they're elected to, to represent. And so I think that was a very big takeaway for the audience and here today and probably those listening at home is that if you are engaging with government, you want to make it relatable. You want to make it relatable, not just to the Member of Parliament's local electorate, of which you know members of Parliament are elected and they want to be re-elected each time, but also making it relatable that they understand the exact reason why you're talking to them about this issue and why it matters and why it should be on their agenda and on the government's agenda to get across the line. And at the end of the day, like I said, the key message there is patience. It improves the lives of Australians and their livelihoods. And lastly, this event over the last two days, any other key takeaways or things you, you would walk away from this event fresh on your mind with? Yeah, well, I think it's great to see so many people coming back together after almost three years of being away because of the, the pandemic. But I think the takeaway is just how important collaboration is. Collaboration across not just our own industry, but other industry groups and other groups like uh, the Consumer Health Forum, for instance, or uh, with the doctors at AMA or private hospitals. When we can come together and find commonality, common cause and some uh, succinct objectives that we can all put, to, put forward to government, it actually makes for a stronger case and it actually helps us build and future-proof a fit-for-purpose health system that will lead us and the country into the future stronger, better and uh, healthier than we have been in the past. I'm Mike Freelander. I'm the federal member for MacArthur in southwest Sydney. I was elected in 2016. Here we go. And so what brings you to this event today? Well, I was asked to come for the panel discussion about engaging with government with uh, Melissa McIntosh, the member for Lindsay. I'm the chair and she's the co-chair of the Parliamentary Standing Committee on Health, Aged Care and Sport. And in the past parliament, had quite extensive involvement with the medical technology uh, team, particularly in our role with Trent Zimmerman, who was the previous chair, looking at how we approve new technologies and new medications for use in Australia. I see, I see. And so this session was about how best to engage with government in particular. How did you find that session? Oh, really uh, good. It was a bit confronting. There was some Quite uh, first, event div- of the first div- session of the day, so you know you had the, yeah, had the quite div- difficult questions were asked, <laughs> and hopefully we gave some not just political answers, but uh, encouraging people to engage with us. We're doing a big inquiry at the moment into uh, post-COVID and long COVID, and its effects on the health system, and how we can prepare for that, and how we can use technology in particular to help people uh, deal with the health system more efficiently. And so I saw the questions coming up on the screen from attendees and no doubt you'd, you'd hear them out and about from this. What's, what's the general vibe? What did you take from that session about what people want to know? Well, people want to know how they can engage with the new Labor government. It's been a very busy time and, and clearly in the health space there are very innovative solutions to some of the problems that we're confronting, uh, like access to primary care and also how we can deal with uh, the new technologies in medicine and get them affordable for uh, everyone equitably, how we can work with both the public and private system to engage with the new technologies and what is the future going to be for healthcare with a new Labor government. My point would be that that Labor really understands the importance of health in a functioning society and that it's very likely there'll be a much better consensus approach to healthcare than there has been. Uh, Last thing, I I get the feedback a lot from 
those working within the medical technology space where they say, well, if only the government would reimburse this or if, if only I could speak to mm. the government about doing something sure. here and then we can, we can transform things. What advice would you give to those that want to speak to the government, in inverted commas, about actually doing something? Yeah, well, I think you have to recognise that there is a lot of pressure on government at the moment with budgetary constraints. We have a record debt. We have pressure on our tax intake and we do need to be fiscally responsible. But I'd also say, whilst it has been difficult to engage with some of the ministers in particular, because they're just so busy at the moment, if they persist, they will get there. If they've got a good product, it will get acknowledgement. And I, I think they will find um, that this government will be very willing to engage with the medical technology sector to get the best 21st century healthcare to all Australians. But we do have to prioritise who we can see at the moment because it is uh, so busy. And any other final thoughts or comments or reflections from the day? I think it's great to see so many people here. I'm surprised that there's such a huge number of people in the field and, and uh, people from government as well and, and uh, from health departments, from the insurance industry, from the private hospital industry. And I really think we can work uh, with a very consensus approach and less confrontational to get uh, really good outcomes. If you've been kicking around this industry a bit like me, or maybe even you're brand new to digital health, you've probably worked out that health tech is not an individual sport. Whatever you're trying to achieve, whether you're delivering healthcare for patients, or you're building health technology, or perhaps you're helping deploy solutions across health systems, you need a tribe, a community of like-minded individuals who just get it that if we're going to transform healthcare, then technology is going to play a huge part in it. So to learn and connect about health tech and level up your game, consider joining our THT Plus membership community. We've got options for every stage of growth, whether you're a solo individual or a startup or scale-up company. As an individual, you get access to our exclusive community forum, you get a warm intro to two other members from me each month, you get free access to our quarterly virtual summits and a bunch of other exclusive goodies. Companies can bring team members into the community, plus you get a presence on our website as a THT Plus member, you can post content like news events and jobs, and of course we love to showcase our members, so when you join as a company THT Plus member, you'll get to appear on this podcast with your very own episode. This podcast is made possible through the support of our members, it's literally the heart of everything we do, so consider joining as a THT Plus member, you can join anytime online, just go to talkinghealthtech.com slash THT+. My name is Elizabeth Pettit and I'm from PPD Search and we are recruiters in the medtech and pharma industries. Thank you. And you were up on the stage I saw earlier. Tell me about that. Yeah, well, we were just talking about people in medtech and the challenges that medtech's currently facing in trying to find good candidates, good talent. And we were talking about how they might solve that issue with skills development, how to retain people and the impact of culture and that type of thing. I saw there was some good engagement from people in attendance watching the session as well. What were some of the questions or comments or concerns or things that are front of mind for people working within the medtech space when it comes to people? Yeah, I think uh, the main concern is 
What sort of employee value proposition do they need to have? Not that they even knew that it was called really an employee value proposition. I mean, some people did. Others, when asked, you know, who has an employee value proposition, not many people put their hands up. And that's obviously really key. And I think they probably have something that is aligned to an employee value proposition. They just don't call it that. But I think the main concern was how to attract people to the industry and then how to retain them. Mm. That, that was retention is a, is a big issue because the industry is so competitive for talent. Well, there's a number of issues at the moment that, that make retention and, and attraction so much of a challenge because it's everywhere you look, it's we could do more, but we don't have the people or they don't, they don't hang around long enough. Yeah, that's exactly right. I think there's, you know, numerous issues we had with the economy. People went home during COVID. The health system's under pressure because they can't get enough doctors and nurses. People are burnt out. People working from home more, but they're probably working longer hours that type of thing. So yeah, it's it, the world of work and the structure of work just needs to change and people just need to shift their thinking to look at hiring outside of the industry, hiring on skills rather than experience, I yeah. think. What are the most common things that you're helping your clients with when it comes to topics like this? Probably, yeah, the impact of culture and leadership. So what a good culture looks like and what a culture looks like and I think we all have ideas on what that might look like but really getting digging deep and getting very clear on what your culture is and what you want it to be and that's what we tend to help with to help clients to attract the talent that they that they want and need. Yeah any other final comments or thoughts or takeaways from the event today? So I would say my final comment would be for the medtech industry to make sure that you are assessing the skills that you have in the business and looking at what you need in the future. So future-proofing your business by having the right people, but you probably have people in your business that you don't really even know what they can do. So look, hiring on potential as opposed to necessarily just what's on a, on a resume, if you like. My name is Lisa Dubay. I'm the COO at MTV Connect. Nice to have you, Lisa. What brings you to the event today? Just getting uh, all the information about what's happening in the medtech community and also hoping to, I guess, take that and also bring it to Boston because we're going to the medtech conference in Boston. We're leading a delegation ah. with the MTV Connect. Yeah, and, and so your role at the MTP Connect, tell me a bit more about that and what you do. Uh, chief operating officer so I basically do whatever Stuart tells me to do <laughs> what he can't fit in the resident doer the, the yeah. uh, I, I respect the operations and the <laughs> roles know it well so at the event today I saw you were up on stage talk to me a bit more about what you were participating in well we were talking about how research engages with industry and how we can support industry and research in general so MTV Connect obviously has a very important facilitator role to connect people where we find synergies and to also help guide regulatory policy and just bring together the bright people to foster commercialization. And there was some good engagement from the people in the audience. Do you think there are any key messages or points or things that you took away that you can tell a front of mind with people that are in the industry? I think that there was a lot of people recognising that we need to ensure we have strong supply chain management for really key things like diagnostics. We're currently doing an action plan for that and to recommend to the government some key initiatives that they can do 
to ensure we have sovereign capability and resilience in supply chains. So I think that was probably one of the key messages that came out that with manufacturing, everything goes offshore, but we need to really look at perhaps ensuring that we have certain important things onshore that we might be only have a small amount, but can be amplified up when we need it for important in things like a pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. And the ongoing sustainability of that is really important. I can feel that through all the conversations I have here. Any other final comments, thoughts, reflections from the day today that you wanted to share? No, I just think that everyone, you know, is doing a great job and we have a lot of work to do, working together well and keep pushing for, you know, improving Australia in the areas we know it is needing improvement in and trying to fill those gaps and supporting commercialization. My name's Penny Parrish and I'm a director at the Department of Health and Aged Care and I'm working on the Prostheses List Reforms Task Force. Got it. Tell me a bit more about the Prostheses List Task Force and what that is. The Prostheses List reforms are aiming to improve the value proposition of private health insurance for Australian consumers. Got it. And so if I can see that topic has a few sessions at this event today. It must be quite an important one then. Tell me more about it. Yes, it's an important change for the medtech industry. My role here today was to present on three subjects that are very important to the, to the industry. The first one is about our proposed legislative amendments and the second one was about our restructuring of the assessment pathways. So we're streamlining those and allocating three different assessment pathways according to the risk and effort required for each of those. And then finally about our proposed evaluation framework to measure how successful the reforms have been or otherwise. And so from the attendees that um, saw the sessions today and there were a number of speakers on different panels, are there any key takeaways or themes or what's the vibe from what you've, you've heard today? I think the common themes that came through in all three of those sessions was the importance of the whatever prosthesis list reforms we put in place and the ongoing um, purpose of the prosthesis list to ensure that we're not restricting innovation and making sure that new devices or new technology can come onto the prosthesis list where relevant and that that then improves the uh, medical or health outcomes for consumers. Yes. Any other key outcomes or reflections or takeaways from this event or anything else you wanted to share? I think it was really good and useful to have a panel discussion with other members of the stakeholder group that we engage with on a formal basis, but having a more conversational discussion around some of the issues that have been raised from across the floor was really useful to trigger some ideas about about how we might solve some of the tricky implementation matters that the department's dealing with at the moment. So that was really useful to me to get that insight. I'm Dean Breckenridge and I'm the Chief Policy Officer for Ramsey Healthcare Australia. Cool. What do you do as the Chief Policy Officer at Ramsey? I'm responsible for the engagement with funders and the government in regards to the payment of our services and also reforms uh, that may impact how services are provided in the future. Yeah, got it. Okay. And so you were on the stage in a panel session today. Talk to me a bit more about that. Yes, um, so I was on the panel talking about prosthesis reform, looking at how we can evaluate what success looks like 
and about the proposed legislative framework to enact it. It's very, very interesting and very lively conversation. And for those that aren't completely across the topic, because it's an important one within this circle of medical devices and prosthesis reform, however, there might be some that aren't so across it within the healthcare space. Why is it so important for Ramsey to have representation in this conversation and how would that impact you, for example? Yeah, I think it's very important for hospitals generally to have representation. We essentially are purchasing these devices, these prostheses. The price is essentially set by the government through the prosthesis list. And then on the other side, we're paid by health funds by reference to the prosthesis list. So when there are changes to it, it directly impacts how we can procure and how much we pay for products and whether or not we're left with a gap that we have to pass on to consumers. Yeah. Interesting point, the fact that we've got people on a panel discussion in what could otherwise have been quite a, a formal structured approach which might which might have achieved one objective but being able to do it in a panel on a stage and have a bit of more of a discussion was it still value adding and doing something like that oh look i actually think it adds more value i worry sometimes with the formal consultation processes all you get are kind of the cleaned up versions of people's opinions and thoughts and perhaps you lose the true meaning in these types of forums this is an opportunity for every person no matter which level they're in, to put up the hand, ask a question and contribute to the conversation. And that's sometimes where more interesting, innovative ideas come from rather than those that are overworked when they get into a final submission that goes to government. Got it. And lastly then, you know, after speaking with attendees today and also those that might have asked questions during your session or any other discussion for that matter on topics at this event today, anything, any key takeaways, any thoughts or anything else you'd want to share in the conversation? Yeah, I think my biggest takeaway is the importance of us working together on a consensus position for reforms. I think when we have certain representation going it alone and perhaps causing tensions and adversarial approaches, it doesn't help anyone. It doesn't help the reforms. It doesn't help patients. If we can kind of all come together and work through it and go to government with a solution, I think that'd be a better outcome for everyone. Ben Harris, Director of Policy and Research at Private Healthcare Australia. Thanks, Ben. And so what brings you to this event today? It's great to be at the MedTech 22 conference. Prosthesis list reform is incredibly important to both consumers, who we represent, 14 million Australians with private health insurance, and of course, the med medical device industry. Medical devices do some amazing stuff for people and we've got to get this reform process right. And talking about it is one of the best things we can do to make sure we get it right. Yeah, no, I'm getting that vibe. We've had, I saw on the stage, the different perspectives from the hospital side and from the government's perspective and from your side. Talk to me a bit more about the importance of this topic around prosthesis reform. So... Prosthesis is about $1.07 in, in hospitals at the moment, and we think that's probably going to end up increasing as the medical devices become much more common in the community. And we need to make sure that people can pay for it. Australia's got a mixed public and private system. 42% of Australians with private health insurance earn less than $50,000 a year, so they're actually quite price sensitive. We need to make sure that all of the services we provide across health uh, good value for money, the best possible technology to make sure that patients, consumers across Australia can get on with their lives with the best possible healthcare. Yeah, got it. And from the sessions today and from speaking with attendees, are there any key takeaways from this event or things that 
excite you about the future of this space around technology in the medical space? I'm always excited about the potential for technology in the health space. Uh, I see it every day. What we've got to do is make sure it's fit for purpose, good value for the consumer. And one of the things I was talking about is making sure that there's an even playing field, making sure that medical devices, drugs, hospitals, all of those things are assessed on the same basis. We need to do much more out of hospital. We need to make sure that healthcare helps the consumer as much as possible. We've got a lot of problems with the pricing of medical devices in Australia. A lot of the generic technology is way too expensive. Mm. And that means that there's not enough room for the new stuff, the innovative things, which consumers want, health funds want, hospitals want, I hope government wants. But, you know, you asked for the takeaways, Peter. One of the really important things for me is that we often talk about the exceptions or things which are annoying us. We do need to take that step back every so often and say, oh yeah, look, a lot of this stuff we all agree on and let's work out the best way to get it done. And then we can marginalise the stuff which, where there are policy disputes or things where we think too, we're paying too much. Doesn't mean we shouldn't be talking about what we can be doing together. Yes. I'm so aligned on that one in terms of the, the focusing on what can be done and those those incremental wins and finding the common ground and then building up in, a, in, in steps rather than everyone taking an approach of, well, this isn't happening, so nothing's happening type things. So, That's right. Yeah. And one of the big issues in this space is, oh, look, everything's connected. Yeah, absolutely. Doesn't mean you don't start. Yes. How do you eat an elephant? One step, one bite at a time. But technology is absolutely and fundamentally changing the way we're going to be doing health into the future. Look at how people are getting their information through podcasts. Yeah. We're seeing people who have access to information on their phone, which they've never had before. All of that information can help people have better lives. It can help people manage their own health. And if we can get sort of the old-fashioned technology moving, we can get the new technology into place, make sure that the community benefit is absolutely key to what we're talking about, then I'm sure we're going to see a lot more healthier people into the future. I'm Rosalina from Health Industry Hub Media. Great to have you here, Rosalina. What Lovely brings you... to be here, Peter. <laughs> Great to catch up. Thank you for so willingly coming over to the microphone and having a chat. Tell me what brings you to this event today. So I've been here since yesterday at all the amazing MedTech sessions, of course, and I was just moderating a session on the future of private healthcare and what that's going to look like for our society. We all know and can hear in the news stories that the public health system literally falling apart. It's underfunded, under-resourced, so it really makes the private healthcare system even more important where patients and consumers can see value in what they're paying for. So that was the discussion. And in terms of the participants in that particular session, what I've really liked about these sessions today and hearing feedback from attendees is the different perspectives and bringing those to the table and seeing where we can meet in the middle. We don't have to agree on everything, but find what is common and then building upon those points. Did that kind of same rhythm come from the session that you were running as well? Absolutely. Diverse perspectives are really necessary when you're discussing these, you know, these topics. And we had for this session, Dr. Robert McGrath from NIB Group, so insurance representative, obviously, Maurice Bamea from Stryker. And we had Stephen Mason from Australian Patient Association and Lloyd Adams from Healthy Care Australia representing the 
hospitals, private hospitals. So really great diverse conversation, which is very necessary. I think the one piece of the puzzle that would have been great to add to that is, of course, clinician feedback because mm. they see the patients all the time and they're often are missing from this diverse discussions. <laughs> it's always the clinicians and the patients that we seem to, you know, add in last to the conversation sometimes. That's right. So. We've ticked the box on the patients. Yeah, that's true. Not so much on the clinician yet. Got you, got you. And you speak to so much of the industry yourself with the Healthcare Hub. Talk to me about like what you're seeing coming off the back of the pandemic and the discussions you're having with industry thought leaders and experts. What's exciting you about this space at the moment generally? I think there's at the moment, so with Health Industry Hub, we focus on the pharma, medtech and biotech sectors. Within the medtech sector, since we're at the medtech conference, a lot is about the prosthesis list reforms. There were three very long sessions, very juicy conversations, I should say, <laughs> about the prosthesis list and the many changes coming through. So that's a very big topic and really about this private healthcare sector. So that's really focused for the medtech industry. Another area is uh, that's come up is, I think, across all the um, industries about the supply chain issues. So that's also another hot topic. Within pharma, there are also, there's a national medicines policy review that's going on. That's a, a big one. And also the HTA review, health technology assessment review, which is starting any moment. They had to have a bit of a delay because of the new government. So all of that is in the works. So there's, I guess, lots of policy changes is what we're looking at in the way that the healthcare sector is growing. And lastly, walking away from this event today, any... And I know you sat in on quite a few of the sessions as well. Any exciting insights generally, whether it's within your session or otherwise? I know you touched on some of those key themes that just earlier, but what's exciting you about this medtech space to close out this conversation? I think the exciting thing is the fact that we've brought all the medtech, key medtech stakeholders together. It's nice to have that human touch again, Peter. It's lovely to have that and talk about the key topics that are important to the sector and have, as we've already talked about, that diverse perspective, really, really important in bringing the conversations to the forefront. I'm not sure if we've found many solutions, but there have certainly <laughs> been many, that's right, many discussions. It's a good start. Ian Burgess, CEO of MTAA. Ian, we're nearing the end of day two of this event. How are you feeling? Uh, I was about to say fantastic, tired, excited. <laughs> all the emotions. Uh, all the emotions, but it has been great. It's been, yes. a, been an excellent conference. The energy, the vibe, yeah. people being back face to face. Great content in terms of the issues facing our industry, both the challenges and the opportunities. And wonderful speakers, presenters, and our attendees have just been totally engaged with each other in terms of being face-to-face, but also with the program. Is it like things were back in the old days in terms of being at an event and being able to connect with each other? Are we are we back? Well, it's even more so yeah. because we this is the largest medtech gathering, medtech industry gathering for three years. And so it's, it's the first opportunity people have had to be on their company in, in a large gathering like this to be face-to-face with colleagues. And uh, yeah, I think it's even more engaging than pre-COVID because of that. And people are really savouring the opportunity. What do you think that attendees are going to most commonly walk away from this event with, whether it's insights or perspectives, or some of those key uh, themes as well that came yeah, up? Yeah, some of the key the themes. Yeah. For example, Rob Grenfell from Grampian Health, who was previously with CSIRO, his key message was, be scared. <laughs> so he he hit CSIRO and, and uh, Rob had done a lot of work in terms of pandemic preparedness. 
this is pre-COVID and had predicted that we would be having a, uh, a serious pandemic in Australia. And so just to be aware that that risk is very real and it's going to happen again. And therefore, what do we need to do as a country and as a health system in particular, in terms of taking the lessons learnt, which can very quickly be forgotten from COVID, which we're still not out of yet. And how do we ensure that we are fully prepared for the next pandemic? And how do we ensure that we continue to improve our health system? Our health system is stressed. Yes, we have a great health system, one of the best in the world. And particularly when you look at proportion of GDP that's spent and health outcomes, it's fantastic. And you wouldn't want to be in, really, you wouldn't want to be in any other country, but the system is under stress. And we were lucky through COVID, particularly on the med tech side. We did a lot of work as an industry, as we've spoken about before, Peter, around ensuring that we were in the best possible position by securing essential supplies, ventilators, PPE, testing kits, but also the, all of the equipment and supplies and devices and technology needed to run our health system. More than 3 million Australians a year rely on med tech in mm. terms of medical procedures that they're having, let alone the preventative health and all the other interactions and support that med tech provides for the health of Australians. And that comes back to the fundamental purpose of our industry, saving lives, improving lives, extending life. So coming back to what are the key messages, there's, there's that COVID preparedness, but also how that then interacts with a lot of the policy issues that we're talking about in terms of the health sector and the med tech sector in particular. And that includes our regulatory processes, so TGA, and ensuring that we are getting access to technology in Australia and that there are challenges there. And, and there's quite a lot happening with EU MDR, so alignment with, with Europe through to how do we pay for medical devices, how they are, are reimbursed, our private health insurance system and the reforms that need to take place there and moving away from an over-reliance on medtech, which both governments and certainly private health and insurers have of solving the private health insurance problem. And medtech is not, not gonna solve private health insurers problem. We represent less than 10% of private health insurers' total benefit payments. Medical device prices have been coming down over the last five years. On average, medical devices have come down 13, 14%. And uh, during that period, private health insurance profits have increased 25% and their management fees, so what, what they spend on themselves, for private health insurers has increased by 27%. So medical devices, are not going to solve private health insurance challenges. There has to be broader systemic reform to address that. So that's an area that, that, that we've covered during the, during the conference. It's an area that there needs to be proper, true reform. And just to provide that link back to COVID experience, one of the key, key reasons why Australia did so well was collaboration and cooperation. Across industry, we had our, our member companies and non-members, fierce competitors normally, and working together to make sure that Australia was in the, in the best possible position to meet what at that stage was going to be some pretty severe infection rates for COVID. And that collaboration and cooperation shows that if you really want to get some change, you want to accelerate change and get a good outcome, that's what you need to do. Such a great message to end on, Ian. Thank you so much for the event with all your team and thanks for coming over and have a chat today. Great to be here, Peter. Thanks for being here. Before you go, just a reminder to jump over to our YouTube channel and subscribe and watch some episodes there. 
There are podcast episodes, summit sessions, and a bunch of other interesting content on our channel. You can just search Talking Health Tech in the YouTube app or click on the link in the show notes of your podcast player and it should just take you straight there. Thank you. For more content and community about technology and healthcare, visit talkinghealthtech.com.